2: and welcome to security and School, hosted by johnny Seifert. this is the celebrity mental health podcast or i said it's okay to not be okay and if you have the same mantra as me then before we get to today's guest please subscribe to security and secure while you're listening and at the end of the episode leave a five-star rating and a review now let me tell you about my guest today My guest today is an author, a personal trainer, a podcaster, a presenter, a mum and a friend who you'll have seen on screen since she was a baby and now she's back on TV with her parents Richard and Judy on At Home With The Maidleys that's coming to ITV soon. And you can also hear her on the EC Method podcast for over 400 episodes to binge and it is with thanks to Nuffield Health for setting up this interview. I'm delighted to welcome back to Suginiska for her second look at her mental health journey. It's Chloe Maidley. Hello, Chloe.
1: Babe, how are you doing?
2: I'm all right. I mean, it is. <laughs> you know when you know people and you're like, you go really professional and then you're like, I oh, no We'll no, right.
1: just right. chat like we normally chat. Just live, you know, same shit, different day. So actually, just to quickly correct something, we made them change the name of it because At Home With The Maidleys was far too all-inclusive for what it really is. So now it's called... Chloe Madeley, A Family Affair.
2: I liked it because it was like at home of the Brave Freight, at home of the Madeleys.
1: But what it did with it, it was giving the very wrong, strong impression that this was a Richard and Judy reality show and I didn't want to tar them with that tacky brush. So I was like, you can't call it that. We have to change the name of it.
2: Were you not like also people going to be expecting to just see Richard and Judy and suddenly I'm here with James and everyone's like...
0: Man. yeah
1: what, what am i watching. Yeah, I was like it's not fair on the audience it's not fair on the family kind of also james is a haskell Bodie's a haskell so it's not fair on them to call it at home with the maidlies So james is mega traditional and he would have been i mean like his male ego would have been dented for life if we'd called it that
2: in public
1: I'm a Maidley, yeah no i am still a Maidley. i never changed my name and I, I always said like when i have to renew my passport get new bank cards i'll do it all then but i'm not going through all the admin and hoopla before i absolutely have to and james is like furious about it because like I say he's really traditional so if we if we start calling him a maidly oh my god there will be hell to pay
2: when's that moment though because obviously Bodhi's one years old nearly we'll come to her in a second but is it that when she starts re- when you start registering her for school and you're having to give your names that you don't want it to be seen like you're just not in a relationship I mean I know you're a public media couple but for someone to go why have they not got the same surname or when she's old enough to go why have they not got the same surname
1: well, I mean, I think, I think it will happen, but also I'm not in any mad rush, you know, like me and James are married. I'm going to have to change over all my legal documents at some point. Like I say, passports, bank cards, da, 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 da. So I'll do it then. I'll do it when I have to. But yeah, I think for James, he very much wants to feel like I've taken on his name. Obviously Bodhi is a Haskell. He wants to feel like I've taken on his name and I'm proud of it. And I wear it like a badge of honor. And there's an element of me that's like, I really like being a maidly, like. I wear this as my badge of honour. So it feels, it's quite bittersweet, you know, when I eventually do it, I'm sure it'll be lovely and we'll raise a glass of champagne. There's also like quite an element of sadness to it because I've always been a maid I'm my parents' daughter and that'll be, I think that'll be quite strange. Well,
2: because we still think of you as Richard and Judy with Jack and Chloe.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Richard, Judy, Jack and Chloe. This is like an older generation thing. Like no younger generations know who my parents
2: are. Do you think?
1: I do think. Maybe my daddy still does a bit of GMB, but I don't think any like 18-year-olds are watching GMB, really.
2: I wonder. It's a very good question, because traditionally you would think that you're used to your parents just putting on the TV, and it would either be BBC One or ITV, and most people to put on ITV to begin their day. So I wonder how many 18-year-olds, when they have got a TV in their room, just shove it on just so it's something in the background whilst they're getting ready, because they're not listening to the radio, and they're not going to be on YouTube watching vlogs when they're getting ready for school or ready for university or whatnot.
1: Very true. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. And I love watching Dickie on GMB. It makes my morning very shiny.
2: (laughs) How how is that for you, though? Because obviously it's that full circle of... He was obviously on TV when you were growing up and you were very, very young, Chloe, and he was doing more magazine stuff. But now he's a hard-hitting journalist. How have you found that change to him for when you're waking up in the morning going, my dad's going to tell me what's going on today?
1: Yeah, yeah. I love it. I remember... I remember growing up with this morning and like having having sick days on the sofa and they were so sweet. Every time they were the show would start, they'd be like, we're just going to start the show by saying, hi, Chloe, we hope you're feeling better. And then they come. And I always felt like I was like they were there with me. And I was so this morning was that's what made it so special. It was such a family show. It was so all inclusive. And I think that that's why so many people and women, especially and mothers at home, especially really connected to it. And I still have women coming up to me to this day saying, oh, my God, I watched you grow up. I saw your first swimming lesson. I saw your first, you know, injection. I saw your first holiday. And It's so meaningful. It's it's such a nostalgic time in my life for all of us, really. Now, when I watch dad on GMB, I'm more like nervous because it is much more political. It is much more hard hitting. And my dad is, you know, my dad, <laughs> you know, doesn't doesn't have much of a filter. And I'm always like, oh, my gosh, what is he going to say? But it is really, really lovely. And I think it suits him a lot more. You know, he left school at 16 to join the Brentwood Argus, which was a local paper. I think he's one of the youngest ever local newspaper editors in the UK on record. He's a journalist by trade. He's so much more capable than I think. People realised he was when he was doing this morning show, which is obviously much more of an entertainment show. So I'm really happy for him that he's doing GMB now.
2: How do you find it though that there are so many news articles every day and memes, and he's going viral with his Alan Partridgeisms of "That's my dad," and also I know he's being serious, and I know you're laughing kind of with him but it also sometimes feels that you're laughing at him and that is still my dad i've still got that protectiveness of private richard not the steve coogan character you see on tv
1: steve coogan's done loads of interviews about the alan partridge character and they said who did you base it on and he said i based it on like a myriad of presenters from the 1980s and i think that included tony wilson who is a legend in manchester and i have nothing but the utmost respect for and i'm still friends with his children now I think it included my dad. I think it involved Nick of Claire. Was it Claire and Nick? I can't really remember. They did They did. good morning, not this morning. It was the rival for a while. It was a lot of people that he based on and it makes total sense. And my dad, like I say, he doesn't really have a filter. He says what he thinks. He says what comes into his head. So it makes sense that people would say that. But yeah, I do sometimes feel a bit like, you guys do understand. He's the most informed man I've ever met. Like, he is so intelligent. He's so informed. He's such a journalist by trade. And there are definitely times where I'm like, hmm, a little bit disrespectful, especially given what he's done for the landscape of television in, in his whole career. But it's also part of being in the public eye. So suck it up, Buttercup. You've got to get a thick skin and it ain't ever going to stop. I mean, the way that we treat celebrities in this country is abhorrent, in my opinion.
2: I googled your dad just before we did this. And it's, I'm a body language expert. Susanna Reid is embarrassed and ashamed over Richard Maylard's Alan Partridge moments. And, yeah, it's kind of, gimmicky and it's kind of funny and it's kind of clickbait but you as the daughter seeing that about your dad how do you process that I know like you said he is in the public eye and that's what happens and it's not bad scrutiny like a lot of other journalists obviously we both know get it but still that is your dad that they're being spoken about
1: I actually just think that's right now and and the the landscape of television especially daytime television it's really high geared I think after the whole Phil and Holly fiasco to pitting presenters against each other and they're doing it now with Alison Hammond and Dermot O'Leary they've been doing it with my dad and Susanna for ages they did it with Piers and Susanna it's a story it's clickbaity. people enjoy it that's one of the things I really expect and accept about what they do but dad and Susanna are really good friends in fact they sent me a selfie the other day and they were like how's Ibiza here we are where are you and we were like messaging back and forth so it's just utter utter nonsense but hey you know we know the tabloids, and that's their favourite favourite storyline. Nonsense.
2: No, their favourite storyline. You'll never guess what this person that's like 30 years later. <laughs> Here's Chloe as a baby of Dr Chris Steele. You'll never guess what she looks like now.
1: Dr Chris Steele, wow. Throwback. Is he still on this morning?
2: I think he's probably one of the only people who are, who are still on this morning. Where <laughs> yes. it's going at the moment.
1: I love that man.
2: Well, he, you owe him a lot, that man.
1: I owe him my healthcare guys. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It was free, and I got TV exposure it for it. I was doing brand deals before <laughs> yeah. I even knew what a brand deal and an influencer was.
1: But well, I'm so privileged. No wonder everyone absolutely hates me. I didn't pay for any of my injections. They were all on television, okay? <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you reckon people... I don't know how to word this, but do you know, do you think there's a generation now who go... Who's Chloe Madeley? And then other people are going, well, she was the original influencer. Like, there were no other babies that were getting this all done at the time.
1: I've been taking selfies since I was two. Don't you love how many annoying female celebrities? are Like, I coined the selfie like I invented the selfie it's like no you didn't we used to take Kodak cameras when we were 12 and turn them around and take a photo like shut up I think now like the younger generations the only people who know who I am are the people that are into health and fitness but I think the older generations will always just see me as Richard and Judy's daughter and I'm fine with that because I am mega proud of my parents
2: Yeah, you make a proud, but you've also achieved so much on your own. If you think about the types of books that you've been bringing out over the past, you know, five, six years with recipes, with your fitness, your podcast, you've got over 400 episodes. Obviously, Couples Quarantine, my favourite, that had about 20 episodes and you still need to bring it back.
1: We're bringing it back. It's going to be called Let's Be Honest. And James and I are bringing it back. It's called Let's Be Honest. because obviously we're not in quarantine anymore, so it makes sense. But you know how many couples started their own couples podcast after they came on our show as our guests? And we're like, God damn it. God damn it, you're all doing way better than us. Why did we stop? We should have carried it well, on. Well, you were
2: the OG, because I listened to Abby Clancy and Peter Crouch. I listened to Jamie and Sophie Lang and uh, Spencer and Vogue. Yep. They've got nothing on you two. They don't know <laughs> how to be honest. They don't know how to be <clears throat> overtly sexual like you both did.
1: Oh, overtly sexual and overly honest. It's really uncomfortable to listen to, but that's what makes it gold.
2: <laughs> well, I nicked, I remember I, I messaged Emma Sale after she was on it with you. and I went, this is amazing. This is life-breaking. I, I didn't realise what a cat, uh, kitten party is."
1: Oh, yeah, what, Killing Kittens. I mean, Emma Sale is such a great podcast guest because she has so many stories, but she doesn't drop anyone in it. I'm really hoping one day she'll write a great book. But I love how like they were talking about sex parties and James was like, we can neither confirm nor deny which story is about me. And it was like every fucking story, she's just about a big beefy rugby player who won't be named. I wonder who she's talking about. But it was great. It was really great because it was so honest. And I think that, that a lot of couples need that. They need to feel like they're not, I don't know strange like quote not quote like hashtag couple goals it's not a thing James and I like argue more than any couple we know but we're also really happy and like and you know have a baby and work really hard and and that's okay like it's okay and I think a lot of couples feel like I don't know there's something wrong with them if they're not smiling and happy and in love and posting an instagram selfie every day
2: well let's talk about that how are you going to translate that into a new podcast now
1: honestly it's going to be the same as it was we're going to talk about our arguments we're going to talk about our shortcomings as individuals and as a couple and we do get very very honest in a way that i think a lot of couples would probably be really uncomfortable doing in front of a microphone i know it sounds silly but i think that's important and people will everyone thinks everything's important now but i i do like i've struggled in relationships with people to know like what's normal where are the boundaries where's not you know like where is it okay to to draw a line and say no you can't cross that and i think that it it was a great show for that and plus because of all the guests we had on we give it we broaden it out it's not just james and i there's more context and there's more
2: comparison there which is who who are we going to have on it what guests are we going to say
1: not we're not going to confirm yet because we're waiting for them to confirm we start recording next week we're recording three episodes a day for three days in a row oh my god
2: yeah, That's intense.
1: It is so intense. And we've got, we've got, everyone's got to confirm and they haven't yet. So we have to wait. We're just sitting on it right now. There's a couple of people on there who are going to be they're going to be front, front and centre of the Daily Mail online as soon as the
2: episode Just think of the publicity. Any publicity think is good publicity.
1: publicity. Throwing everyone under the bus for some for some numbers.
2: Yeah, I've never done that. And I'm not doing that today, obviously, Chloe. <laughs> uh, don't know what you're talking about. Don't know, I don't know how journalism works. Nine episodes in three days is very intense as well. If you're going through such deep emotions, are you going to be coming out of that going, I actually need proper therapy to actually deal with what the hell just happened? Because you haven't got any downtime to kind of reflect and... Be in your own space again and go, I'm brief. I'm not a bad person. James is not a bad person.
1: It's going to be really hard because, you know, like the kind of the narrative voice of the show. And it is it is quite intense. And we there we have had arguments of, like while and while we're recording it before. But actually, you know, what's really interesting about having Bodhi now is that once we stop working, uh, like work is like done. And now we're parents, so as before and especially in couples quarantine era lockdown. We'd sit in the episode, we'd sit in the conversation, we'd sit in the argument. And Now lockdown's over and we can do what we want. And we're parents, it's like as soon as work's done... We're parents, we're Bodhi, everything else, it would just stop. And we've had it with filming this new show that I'm doing. We've had like sticky moments on camera and we've had really stressful filming days. And it's quite intense like having cameras film everything that you do all day. It can be quite a lot. It's really interesting. As soon as the cameras are gone, we're like, right, we've got to get Bodhi from the nanny and we've got to cook dinner and we've got to make sure that she's bathed. and We've got to make sure she goes down and we've got to put some baby rice in her night milk so she goes to bed. And you just, you have to throw everything at the the kid. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn
0: more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
2: Well, I don't know where to begin there. Do we go down the TV show route or do we go down Bodhi route? Where do you want to go first?
1: it's up to you babe you're the journalist you tell me you're the one who's
2: you're, you've been trained by a proper journalist I'm, I'm winging it still for years later
1: oh, aren't We oh my dad gets really bad imposter syndrome still we talk about it all the time it's really interesting so I get it with what I do and you're just always like oh my god like what if I get found out and it's like found out about what like he's been doing it since he was 16 I've been doing what I do now for 12 years and we're both really qualified and experienced in our feel like so you still have moments where you're like oh god I'm not good enough that's human nature I think I don't think you can escape it
2: because I've worked with your dad over the years and I love when he comes into the building because he owns the space. And you go, Richard made this. Here. He's an amazing journalist. The guests love him. The producers love him. I'm surprised that he gets imposter syndrome still.
1: He does. It's really interesting. I, don't, I think it's part of the human condition. And I actually think it proves that you're doing something that challenges you. And I don't think it's a bad thing at all.
2: Oh no! I th- I wear it on my sleeve, and I wear a paranoid on my sleeve. I think it's important to be paranoid, and I think it's important to showcase my vulnerability a lot of the time. And go, do you know what? I feel a bit uncomfortable, or I really hope I haven't upset you and offended you, because it shows I'm human, but also it shows I've got empathy. And a lot of people don't want to show that, and that doesn't work. How the mind works?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I, like doing the shows, really, I've had moments where I've been really like, uh, like anxious, nervous, but with how I'm coming across because you know we're all human we all have bad days we all have bad moments but you never want it to look like I don't know you never just want to look like you're a complete dickhead do you so I look back sometimes on filming moments in the day and I think oh my god I really hope that if that makes it in the show that it doesn't come across too badly but we are all human and I think we need to be a bit more forgiving of each other and like I say I think there's a culture in our press with people in the public eye and I think it has a trickle-down effect on how we see and treat each other and I, I, I think there's definitely um some work that we could all be doing on compassion
2: well, how does it work for you though? You've been given your own TV show. What, where's your line of imposter syndrome now of I deserve this TV show. I have been in the industry for 20 years versus why well, have they given it to me? There's loads of celebrity couples. Why are they not going to give it to the new winners of Love Island? Like how have they given this space to me? Do I deserve this space?
1: It's not something that worries me. I know how hard I work and I know what my life is like with James DJing and i be there every weekend and having Bodhi and I know that I'm also very lucky in that um, James and I can afford to have part-time childcare not everyone can do that so we have a part-time nanny it's more that I think there's always been a narrative about me in the press and certainly with trolls that I'm like very entitled very spoiled people don't realize that I work many different jobs I graft my ass off to make an income I went back to work eight weeks postnatally because I needed the money. But I also do live quite a privileged lifestyle at the same time. Like, so James flies out to Ibiza every weekend to DJ. And some weekends, say so every four or five weeks, I'll fly out. And he's doing it all the way. He started in June, he'll do it all the way till the end of September. Every four or five weeks, I'll fly out for a weekend with Bodie and spend a weekend with him in Ibiza. Now, this could be perceived as one of two different things. One, well, her husband's DJing in Ibiza and she wants to spend some time with him and the baby on a weekend every once in a while. So of course she's going to fly out every, every now and again to go spend time with him. Or, you know, what a privileged twat. You know, I've been watching three episodes of the show and she's gone to Ibiza twice already. And it's like, it's really hard. And those are the things that I sit on and worry about. But I also think that that makes me conscious of my privilege. And that's a very, very good thing. And that's very important.
2: Let's really quickly talk about your campaign with Nuffield Health. It's a really interesting campaign and I'd I'd love to do another half an hour easily just on the campaign because there's a lot about transitioning between 11-year-old to 16-year-old girls. What's your research shown?
1: So it's Nuffield Health research and they wanted to kind of delve deep and figure out why so many young and teenage girls were bunking off PE in school and not taking up um, extracurricular kind of exercise and exercise. What it showed was the main data point it was 84%, which is over two thirds of 11 to 16 year old girls felt that when they started their menstrual cycle, their love of and passion for physical exercise and sport completely diminished, which is really sad and slightly worrying given that physical exercise is actually really pivotal to your physical health and your mental health as well. So that was the, the kind of the, the really dominating stat. But the one that I liked was that one in five girls feel like. PE in school just doesn't cater to their interests at all they have no interest in it and that was me you know I was given netball and hockey and rounders and like absolutely none of these appealed to me and I found team sport to be very intimidating I didn't enjoy it I would freeze a lot um, in the middle of a game so not the best and it wasn't until I was in my kind of early 20s mid-20s that I found weightlifting and I realized that I didn't quote-unquote hate all exercise I just hadn't found the right thing for me yet and my mental health started to improve so much as did my physical health and I wish that I'd found that as a younger girl so I'm really excited to be part of the initiative mothers and young girls can sign up to do free weekly exercise classes all across the UK if you go on nuffieldhealth.com forward slash move together that's the name of the campaign they're gonna basically have a myriad of different options when it comes to exercise they're gonna have boxing they're gonna have weight circuits they're gonna have pilar Parties, can have yoga. So young guys can go together and try something new and see if they like anything.
2: Oh, amazing. And finally, let's plug everything. TV show podcast. Talk to me about the next four months.
1: Okay, so the podcast, which is my own um podcast, that's coming back in the next couple of weeks. So keep an ear out for that. Let's be honest, this James and my podcast. I think that's going to come out in September. I am doing this new show with ITV. That will be on ITVB. It's called Chloe Madeley: a family affair obviously doing the Move Together campaign right now and I should be writing my fifth book but I am so overwhelmed that I think if I do I'm going to have some kind of mental breakdown so I'm just I'm just pretending that I'm not getting any emails from my literary agent right now I'm sure she loves me
2: Been listening to Secure the insecure, me, Johnny Seaford. If you love me, please do go and rate the podcast, subscribe to it, share it with a friend. Let's keep spreading the word it's okay to be okay, and let's keep spreading the word we've all got imposter syndrome, so let's wear it on our heart, on our sleeves on TikTok at Johnny Seaford92, on Instagram at Johnny Seaford at Secure the insecure Podcast. Thanks so much to Louise Phillips and her team and Nuffield Health for sorting out the interview. Do go and check out Chloe's stuff, I absolutely love her. Just go and support her any way you can. And I've been Johnny Seaford on Secure the Insecure Until next time, thank you and goodbye.